Alhamdulillah, we praise God. And we bear witness that there's only one God. We worship the one God who created the heavens and the earth. Douglas was supposed to give this khutbah, but somebody called and apologized on his behalf. So I'm stuck with the khutbah. I'll just uh, chat with you. I'll have to go through a lesson in history for a while. Uh, Carl Skinner called from Canada yesterday. Uh, he was talking about Islam to uh, a bunch of students, and one student asked him, he was talking about the miracle in the Quran, and how the Quran is mathematically composed beyond the human ability on the basis of the number 19. Every letter, every word in the Quran, mathematically composed beyond the human ability. So we know that this is a book from God. So that was the topic of his lecture. One student asked him, how long was it from <coughs> the time that the Quran was revealed to the time the miracle was revealed? And this is what I'm going to go through with you. Uh, the Prophet Muhammad was taken to, uh, to heaven, the seventh heaven, and the Quran was placed in his heart in one night, the blessed night that's mentioned in Surah 44. Specifically in the month of Ramadan. So let's call this time zero. This is revelation of the Quran. The Prophet was sent back in the same night, and the Quran was with the person, with the soul, not with the body, which requires a process to release from the person to the body. You may have information with you that is not in your body. It has to be released from your soul to your body. And it comes in your physical brain, then you can, you'll be able to express it by talking or writing or whatever. So uh, the angel Gabriel did this process of mediating the release of the Quran from the soul to the body. And the Prophet started to preach the Quran slowly, three verses at a time. And stopped saying the people to worship God alone. And of course he was persecuted. They, uh, they told him, you're crazy, you want us to worship one God? Uh, they throw garbage at his house and at him. They threatened him. They called him all kinds of names. Some of them are documented in the Quran. <coughs> and the people started to believe in him secretly. This went on for three years, three years secretly, preaching secretly, hiding, sneaking in, praying to God alone, mentioning the name of God alone in their prayers. <clears throat> and then uh, when they became known, inevitably, the people uh, boycotted the believers. They called them all crazy. You worship God alone. What do you mean God alone? <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> and all the believers were persecuted and they were boycotted. They told them not to stay in Mecca. So they went out of Mecca in tents, about a couple of miles out of Mecca. They were forbidden from going to the Kaaba. This is Muhammad and the people with him. And this uh, lasted for, uh, I believe, a year and a half or two years. 
you know, the people of Mecca said, you cannot trade with them, you cannot talk to them, you cannot uh, marry from them, from their families. Just a total boycott. This uh, ended, let's say, two years, so this makes it five years. Three years in secret, two years of boycott. They were banished outside of Mecca, so it makes it five years. And then uh, Omar joined the Muslims. Omar was one of the strongest disbelievers and then became one of the strongest believers. When Omar joined, they were able to come out of the closet, so to speak. They became public. And then uh, the number of believers increased. This is inevitable. The number of believers always increase. If you move to another town and you start a Quranic study based or, or a, a, a place of worship based on worshiping God alone and you all, all, you, you're all by yourself, you're guaranteed to grow. Somebody will come out of nowhere and join you and this will keep happening. When you have four people and one of them leaves, two people will come or ten. So the believers increased and the movement became too strong for the disbelievers to stand, so they decided to kill Muhammad. And, of course, God protects his messenger. And on that night, uh, he was inspired to, to emigrate. That was 13 years after the revelation of Quran. It's called Hijrah. This is emigration from Mecca to Medina. And this is very well documented. The dating of the uh, Islamic calendar started from this point. So this, in other words, this was year, year zero for the, of Hijra, from the Hijra. This year is 1409. We are now in 1409 of the Hijra calendar. Now, when Carl called and asked when, what was the length of time from the revelation of the Quran to the revelation of the miracle, I went back to my documents here. I have published my magazine called Islam. It was very luxurious, beautiful colors. Every issue had a different color and beautiful paper. And so I went broke after three issues. <laughs> All I have is three issues. In fact, I, I started to be cheap after the two first two issues. <laughs> I put number three and four together. If you, you, you probably all of you saw that. But anyway, I went back to those documents. Now I know why God made me publish that magazine for that year, 1974. I also went to the publications in Egypt where I had written about the miracle, and we put it in the biggest God mobilized all kinds of forces who put it in the biggest magazines that have the dates on it, the Hijra dates and the, the regular dates. And I was able to pin down the time of the revelation of the miracle to one month when the number 19 as the common denominator throughout the Quran became a reality. That was January 1974. And this corresponded to the to what the last month, this is the first month of 1974, corresponds to the last month 
1393. <coughs> this is from this point, from Hijra, 1393 of Hijra. So from the time of revelation of the Quran, you just add the 13. So here we have three dating systems, which gives us happily three years divisible by 19, every every 19 years. But anyway, we have the the Christian era from the time of Jesus, 1974, from the time of Hijra, 1393, from the time of revelation of the Quran, this time here, you can call it Quranic calendar, Hijra calendar, or Christian calendar. So when you add these to get from time zero, revelation of the Quran, the total is 14.06. This is the time of revelation of the miracle. And this equals 19 times 74. You can see you can see the connection, don't you? And 74 is the surah where the number 19 is mentioned. So uh, this spins it down. For the last uh, couple of weeks, Sami has been saying 1974, this is the year, this is the surah, this is the number. And I said, what's he talking about? Because I'm not thinking of uh, exactly when the miracle was discovered, because I started the research in 1968. And this was going on, and Sammy was saying 1974 is the year. And I thought he's off by a few years, but turns out he's exactly right. January 1974. So uh, what does this tell us? This tells us that all the history of Islam from the very beginning, from the revelation of Quran to the revelation of the miracle of the Quran, and all these things have been predestined since before the creation of the heavens and the earth. God put down every, I mean, look at the Christian date and uh, the Quranic date is 1406 which equals 19 times 74. So uh, I think this is uh, enough for one khutbah so I ask you to turn to God and repent and clean the slate. Tubu ilallah, repent. Alhamdulillah, wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika la. We praise God and we bear witness that there is no God except the one God. I want to, uh, before I go to, to another subject, like I said, I'm just chatting with you. I'm not supposed to be giving this khutbah. Uh, I want to emphasize the dawn prayer. The dawn prayer, you have no idea how important the dawn, dawn prayer is. It dawns on me, no pun intended. <laughs> this just came out. I was reading the Quran the other day and it dawned on me that God used the word, the dawn prayer. And when we were growing up, they taught us to do the morning prayer. And I noticed that uh, even until now, I say I intend to do the morning prayer. Salat al-Subh in Arabic. That is wrong. But if you miss, if the sun rises, 
Before you do the morning prayer, you've missed the dawn prayer. Because the Quran calls it the dawn prayer, which, which means it must be done at dawn. And ironically, this morning, there's a commercial now, you can hear it. If you listen to the radio, you can hear this commercial about a truck driver who, listen carefully, Amen. <laughs> a truck driver who <laughs> is complaining, it's an Anison commercial, and complaining that uh, he's driving long distances, and that he becomes stiff after a long distance. So again, the, uh, the, the commercial is saying, don't stay in the same position for a long time, get out and stretch in order to evade arthritis. And God is telling us to do the darn prayer for our benefit. Because if you want your mental health before your physical health, you have to get up at dawn and stretch your and lubricate your joints at any cost. And uh, we had this problem in Canada when I was visiting uh, 10 days ago. And people were saying how the alarm, they just shut the alarm off and go back to sleep. And I told them, get the biggest and most obnoxious alarm and put it far away, far away from you <laughs> at the other end of the room. Because that's what you need to do at the beginning. At the beginning, it is difficult to do the dawn prayer, which is an indication to you that your soul is too weak and is unable to control your body. This, this, this is a thermometer for you. Because as you do the dawn prayer, as required by God, your soul will grow and your body will become, will become obedient to you. And then it will become easier and easier and then you will enjoy actually getting up for the dawn prayer. But it is for your physical benefit and for your mental benefit <coughs> to do the dawn prayer. Also, if you're here in Masjid Tucson, you're a very special person. <coughs> I assure you, you have no idea how special you are. And you must, you know, the slightest, you must be perfect. <laughs> you have to do the five prayer, you have to do the dawn prayer. Because your responsibility is also great. God has given you a great opportunity and, and uh, a great responsibility comes with the deal. So you have to uh, do the uh, the dawn prayer, please. The five prayers, but I'm emphasizing right now the dawn prayer because that's how it is mentioned for your physical health and your mental health. Uh, the next subject is, I sense that some people didn't like uh, Mahmoud Abib's khutbah because he was talking about uh, another human being. He's uh, emphasizing the miracles of Mahmoud here. Yeah. Okay, I hope your feelings are not hurt. <laughs> a couple of people maybe didn't like your khutbah last time. Uh, the reason is uh, Mahmoud is presenting a lot of physical evidence that has to do with uh, God. God, God likes to send God's system is to send information to all of us, and it is very exciting. And I'm excited along with you as a believer that God is sending to us a lot of information, fantastic information. And God picks out one person to distribute this information. And he gave us the evidence to, uh, to do that. So I want to say that, remind you that Ibrahim was a, a very good believer. God calls him his friend. 
Uh, one who never was an idol worshiper, you and I have been idol worshippers sometime in our life, but he never was an idol worshiper, Abraham. And this is repeated in the Quran so many times. This makes him special. And uh, I'm only stating the Quranic facts. It's not idol worship. When you state Quranic facts, since, since God is the one who said that, because when we read the Quran and mention names, God is the one who's mentioning those names. So Abraham asked God to show him how God revives the dead. And a rhetorical question was asked, uh, don't you believe? This is to teach us that it does, it does not reflect disbelief or lack of faith. But uh, Abraham said, I want to assure my heart. So God is sending all this physical evidence to assure our hearts, to strengthen our faith. And uh, we cannot say we don't need it, you know. Because we've been convinced long time ago. But uh, for eight years, it was my opinion not to make any announcements or any declarations for eight years. I was resisting that and I was saying, uh, I'll just, uh, together we will just worship God alone and uh, uphold the Quran alone. And this is enough. But it turns out to be a very important test. In, uh, in Surah 17, verse 94, God says, uh, what prohibited, what, what uh, stopped the people from believing was that they said uh, that God sent a human messenger. In other words, a human being like us, being a messenger. The exact words say, what forbade the people from believing and, and asking God for forgiveness is that they said that God sent a human messenger. And those were believers who dropped out. So it turns out that the, that, that announcement was a very important test because we are here to sift away, sift away the dropouts. I mean, something happens and then uh, that will sift away some people. Because basically, we committed a horrendous crime back billions of years ago. And this is why we are here to redeem ourselves. The original sin is very much a fact, a Quranic fact. And it is not Adam eating, eating from the tree either. It goes billions of years before that. So you notice that God designed the world so the sun will rise at, uh, at 7.15, like in the last two months, to see how many people will pray the, the dawn prayer. So uh, let's say 100 people pray. When the sun rises at 7, 7.15, at 7 o'clock they are doing the dawn prayer. It's perfect. And then the design of the world is that the sun will rise at 6 o'clock in about a month. Then 15 people will drop out and we have only 85 people praying the dawn prayer because now the sun rises at 6 o'clock. Too early for, the, for those 15. And then in about 4 months the sun will be rising at 5 o'clock. <coughs> And 25 people will drop out. And we have 60 people left doing the dawn prayer. The sun rises at 5 o'clock. And they are doing the dawn prayer. 60 people. And then, in about 6 months, I think, the sun will be rising at 4 o'clock. And there will be only 40 people will drop out. And be only 20 who are doing the dawn prayer. These are the 20 that God wants back into his kingdom. The other 80 dropped out. 
The same with the fasting of Ramadan. It's a, it's a, it's a sifting process, elimination process. God wants in his kingdom those who are the, the real believers who will carry out God's commandments no matter what. And I may be a believer and telling myself I believe in God and in the hereafter and I'm doing the five prayers, I'm doing the commandments, but God knows that there's something in me that must be brought out. So he tells me this person is God's messenger. I say, oh, come on. No, I don't accept that. Then I drop out. I become a dropout. It's a very important test that is stated in 1794 and in 1444. 1444, God says on the Day of Judgment, there's a whole bunch of people who will say, please, God, send us back and we will believe in the messengers and follow them. It is not the person. It is God's information that we are following altogether. It is not the person. In Surah 3, verse 164, God says it is a blessing from God that he's sending information through one of you to distribute this information and recite God's revelations. But I realized that uh, that announcement was very important for that purpose. I, I was ignorant. I didn't realize it was necessary. And God has been teaching me that it is necessary for that purpose. Because I see people whom I thought were perfect believers all over the world. <coughs> Uh, let me mention one name, Qasim Ahmed, for example, in, uh, in Malaysia, a beautiful person. I still think he, he would be saved. But at this time, he says, I can accept everything, but I, can accept, I cannot accept that you're God's messenger. So he is temporarily dropped out. But he is a perfect uh, believer, in my opinion, uh, let's say before the announcement. He was a perfect believer. Upholding the Quran alone, <coughs> doing the prayers, the, the duties, the commandments. But then the announcement came and this, he dropped out. I still have hope for him. But uh, he's talking from the uh, political point of view. He says, you're doing fine. I, didn't, I don't think the announcement was uh, necessary. <laughs> I said, this is how I thought, how I felt for eight years. <coughs> I thought it was not necessary. But God has his system. We cannot go against the system. And as you know, the announcement started by, uh, by firing me. I was fired. I was told, you're a chicken. You cannot do it. I'm going to find somebody else. You're going to hell. And I reached the conviction that I, I was fired. I was lost. I was going to hell. I really believed that. And I cried as I never cried in my life. On that night, I, I remember the date. And I remember everything, and then I, I, uh, I started repenting, and when I reached that point, of course, <laughs> you don't care anymore. I said, I'm going to make the announcement, even my, if my children tell me, you're a crazy man, get out of here. Even if I lose my children, my family, my friends, I don't care if I lose everything. When I reached the conviction that I will make the announcement without any fear, without any <coughs> hesitation, and... Uh, without any fake modesty, because uh, modesty, it's, uh, if, you, if, you, if you live a lie, that is, uh, that is actually arrogance. <laughs> it's, not, it's not modesty. If you're a civil engineer and you say you're a civil engineer, that is not arrogance. It would be arrogance if you think that uh, this will alienate the people around you 
by saying you're a civil engineer and you hide it. And so you're a poor, uneducated person like you guys in, uh, uh, in a situation with that civil engineer who wants to be a friend of the laborers, for example. Maybe I used a bad example. But uh, that would be uh, arrogance on his part to say that. Also, God wants to teach us that uh, the messengers were just human beings who are not better than anybody around them. We have the, the great lesson from Moses, one of the great messengers of God, a prophet who brought the Torah, and not just a messenger, a messenger and a prophet. And God gave him fantastic miracles, parting the Red Sea and all these things. And then God sent him to one of our servants to teach him a few lessons. Remember that in Surah 18? So we learn, it is very important to learn that the messenger is a human being who is just as silly as we are. And you can kid around with him and wrestle with him. Why are you laughing at did you? So, Mahmoud Abib's khutbah was necessary for, for us to reassure our hearts. And uh, you go to Lydia after the khutbah to explain to you why she was laughing. I don't want to have anything mysterious or anything. So, and she will tell you. Uh, today, inshallah, tonight we'll celebrate Suad's birthday and Hamid's birthday. Who's the cake maker? Lori, the best cake maker. So. And, and the Erishan's anniversary. Three occasions. And they will only have we only have happy occasions in this place. This is God's promise. So Akam Salah. Allah, Allah.